0: Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation Podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today as always with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans. Hi, it's great to be here. I'm so glad we're doing this episode today. There's so much to talk about, so much to learn, so much to understand, and so much to do. Well, this week has been one of tragic events and great challenges, We're doing this podcast on March 2nd, 2022, and at this time, Russia is invading Ukraine because Vladimir Putin believes that Ukraine should be part of Russia instead of an independent country. Now, Ukraine is Slavic, just like the Russians, but they are not Russian. They're Ukrainian. They have their own history, their own culture, and their own language. They've been independent for the past 30 years, and now they refuse to become a part of Russia. They choose to live as a democracy and are not willing to be part of an autocratic regime. Putin believes that because Ukraine was once part of Russia, they should be forced to lose their independence and return to Russian dominance. This makes no
1: logical sense and isn't just illegal under international law, but is leading to an increasingly desperate humanitarian crisis. Every day this week, we've seen bombings and rocket attacks that seem to be intentionally targeting civilians, and it gets
0: more intense every day. Thousands of women and children have been struggling to leave Ukraine, and at this moment, over 800,000 refugees have fled to nearby countries, including Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, and Romania.
1: This exodus has led to some heartbreaking images and videos of families being separated at train stations and bus stops. While so many are leaving for their safety and the safety of their children, so many others are choosing to stay and defend their towns and cities and their homes. We've seen some tremendous acts of courage by the people of Ukraine who are standing for not only their national heritage, but also for democracy.
0: Yes, this is really about autocracy versus democracy. Now, in recent years, we've seen the resurgence of dictators who undermine the values of democratic forms of government in favor of authoritarian leadership, which focuses on one individual who exercises complete control over their country. For most of us who are not well-versed in politics, we've probably not noticed or felt threatened by this trend. And yet, During the Trump administration, we began to become much more aware of how an authoritarian leadership can undermine so many of our personal freedoms.
1: It's to our credit as Americans that we chose to elect our current president, whose values and ideals are centered in the dignity of human lives and in respect for democracy. However, the threats to our country's freedom are still present. Our Congress is in constant turmoil as certain representatives continue to demean and inflame their opponents with disrespectful and demeaning comments that are both undignified and mean-spirited.
0: Yes, I know, and we'll be talking about that just a little later in the broadcast. Last night, we watched President Biden's State of the Union address It was thrilling to see the bipartisan support for the White House's handling of the crisis in Ukraine. Most important was President Biden's awareness that this was about autocracy versus democracy, and his resolve to re-establish relationships with our global allies. According to what I've
1: read, this has been the strongest, most unified that NATO allies have ever been, and seeing the global coordination to send arms, aid, and supplies to Ukraine has
0: been really inspiring. It feels as though, in the midst of our despair, we can find hope that democracy is still alive and well and will respond to our active support of this powerful ideal. But now that we're awakened to this need to take action, what is our responsibility as individuals, especially those of us who are committed to a spiritual path of nonviolence?
1: Well, first
0: we need to understand
1: our current situation at this point. We need to face the possibility that, as time goes on, even if we and our allies do everything we can to support Ukraine with weapons and supplies, they still might not be able to hold off the Russian invasion. In that case, it's likely that we might have to enter into a war with Russia, which would very likely become World War Three.
0: Yes, and it's important to remember that there are certain things that our government is not doing because it would provoke a war with Russia, but the things that they are doing are extremely important. Extremely important, like the economic sanctions. There is a really well thought-out strategy to all of this, and so let's not hold on to the thought that we're going to be entering World War III. We're talking about it as a possibility, perhaps a remote possibility, but even so, it's important that we acknowledge all of the possibilities in order to figure out what it is we need to do and how to do it. Now, there's also a very real possibility that Putin's cabinet would choose to depose him. The economic sanctions that we and our allies have imposed could cause such a hardship for the Russian people that they wouldn't be willing to stand for it. Right now, there are Ukrainian tech companies who are using the Internet to inform and disseminate information to the population of Russia about what's really going on behind the propaganda that's being fed to them. Once they understand that Putin made an unprovoked attack on Ukraine because he decided he wanted it back, they're very unlikely to want to support his leadership, don't you think?
1: I do, and I think we've already seen some evidence of that with the reports of Russian soldiers who say that they didn't even know that they were being sent to a conflict, a real war. They thought they were being sent to practice, and they weren't interested in killing anybody, and and reports that whole squads of Russian troops are surrendering and and running out the gas on their vehicles so they don't have to go to the front line. Um, That is is tremendously brave in its own way. Um, But there are possibilities that we haven't even thought of. So given the possibilities that we know about, the first thing we need to do is pray.
0: Yes. And it's really important that we use affirmative prayer, which always begins with thank you remember, our goal is not to beg for something that we don't have. Oh, dear God, please give me this. Please give me that. Please make peace. Please make Putin stop. It's not to beg for something we don't have, but to affirm and give thanks, knowing that what we truly desire is already within the spectrum of our consciousness. Everyone Everyone was created by the one presence and one power, and within everyone and everything, there is a consciousness of peace, of nonviolence, of compassion, of understanding. And so, when we pray with an affirmative point of view, we are acknowledging that we know that what we want is within us all. So, It's also important to remember that we don't pray to control other people's actions. We don't decide what people should do or shouldn't do. I'm remembering a time many years ago when I was in ministerial school, and as part of our training, each of us was to take a turn on the phone lines of Silent Unity, our 24-hour prayer line. Well, the first call I ever got was from a woman who said, please pray that my daughter doesn't marry that horrible man.
1: <laughs> yeah, that doesn't exactly sound like the idea of affirmative prayer you were just talking about.
0: No, actually it doesn't. Um, What we do is refrain from dealing at the level of personalities or at the level of the problem. And I shared with her that we were going to pray for divine order happiness fulfillment divine success in relationships the right and perfect partner for each one and we were not going to get into personalities or get into specifics as to how that healing was going to be manifested so rather than deciding what people should or shouldn't do We affirm divine order, divine outcomes, divine wisdom, divine compassion, acceptance, understanding, peace, whatever it is that we want the outcome to be without questioning who should do what in order to get to that answer. And these prayers need to be for all concerned, even our fiercest opponents. For example... We affirm for Vladimir Putin that he is guided by divine wisdom and compassion and that he's lifted in consciousness to his highest level of awareness. We need to give thanks that we are guided by divine wisdom to support the Ukrainians in beneficial and benevolent ways. And of course, we keep affirming the highest good for all concerned. When we pray, First, When we give thanks that we have all that we need to do whatever it is we need to do, we're then in a position to act on our guidance. And that brings us to a place of discussing how to take positive action.
1: Ukrainians need our financial support for food, medical supplies, for clothing, and to meet the basic needs of the more than 800,000 Ukrainians, mostly women and children, who have fled to neighboring countries, as we mentioned before, such as Poland and Slovakia, Hungary and Romania. They have to undergo tremendous expense to provide for them. Rather than sending items, it's easier and much more effective to send money to the various agencies who know how to get supplies to the people in need. United Help Ukraine and Rescue.org are two of the many opportunities available to us, and just please make sure that you're donating to a legitimate organization. There's a, a lot of scams out there who want to try to take advantage of, of these chaotic kinds of situations. So check out places like Charity Navigator. Um, that's one of the places that you can go to see if the organization you're donating to is really doing the work that they advertise.
0: Now, I'd like to talk about something else we can do, which was made even more obvious during last night's State of the Union address by President Biden. During a very poignant moment in his speech, he honored soldiers who had given their lives for our country and mentioned his late son, Beau. Referencing the soldiers who died of cancer that was likely caused by the hazard exposure during their time in service, he mentioned a cancer that would put soldiers in a flag-draped coffin. And right in the middle of this powerful and emotional moment, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert shouted out, you put them in, 13 of them, referring to the 13 American troops who were killed during the withdrawal from Afghanistan last year. It was a horrific moment. I felt so deeply saddened that anyone would make such a disrespectful and demeaning remark in the in the halls of Congress. During the past few years, we've seen this kind of offensive language more and more. I, I'm quite certain that there was a time when our representatives could actually debate issues and still be respectful of others, of, of themselves and of their position. Matthew, do you Ever remember such a time? Now, you're 25 years old, and you've always been interested in politics, you know, since you were an adolescent. Do you believe that you're seeing something much more volatile, mean-spirited, and different in the way our elected representatives relate to one another?
1: I definitely think it's gotten worse uh especially in the last, you know, 5 or 6 years, but I you know it's been real bad as long as I've been paying attention to it. Honestly, there there has been so much disrespect and so much just callousness and and lack of cooperation that has only escalated year after year, ele- election cycle after election cycle for all kinds of different reasons that would take several podcasts and and plenty more experts than just the two of us to get into um but it's it has been just so depressing to see
0: it is depressing to see and it also is putting a very clear smoke screen between the politicians and what it is that they want to do. I don't even think they remember what they were elected to do. I think all they're interested in doing now is smiting their enemy, which are people of of the opposite party. See, there's no doubt in my mind that our democracy has been weakened and severely compromised by power-driven members of Congress who have resorted to lies and scare tactics and temper tantrums to gain control over their constituents. They barely have time to discuss issues because their focus seems to be to insult and demean one another. Now, this has not gone unnoticed by the rest of the world I heard a political analyst remark today that Putin was counting on American weakness, that we were divided against ourselves and divided against our allies, and we wouldn't stand firm in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Fortunately, because of President Biden's goodwill toward our allies, we were and are able now to stand strong together for democracy. Now, there's also something that we can do along these lines to help promote and protect our democracy and have a voice in how the lawmaking processes are being conducted and that is to inform our local representatives that we want all of our elected representatives to be respectful of themselves to one another, and to focus their attention on bipartisan cooperation so they will govern with courage, maturity, wisdom, and integrity. I would also add that if they choose to turn the other way and allow this undignified behavior to go on, we'll choose not to vote for them again. I would also point out to our representatives that the level of animosity and ugliness shown by Representative Boebert should not be tolerated. I believe that Americans deserve their Congress people to be reputable, honest, and respectful of their office, their job description, and I would like to see us use our voting power to let our representatives know what we expect of them. And I firmly believe that When we do this, when we call, when we write, when we tell our elected officials that that kind of immature infighting, that lack of control, that inability to uh, study the rules of debating and put them into action, all of these are shortcomings. All of these not only create within the American voters mistrust, but... We become the laughingstock of the world because we can't get along with each other. I would ask my elected officials for bipartisan cooperation. Okay, so I'm not a radical on either side. I would rather our country work together to incrementally produce the ideas and ideals that would benefit humanity and not insist that we get all or nothing. I keep thinking I'm watching a seventh grade group of students without any maturity or understanding of respectful communication. And I, I'm i not willing to put up with it and I am perfectly willing to tell my representatives that this is something that the American people are needing from them and would appreciate very much. I do believe that our future is at stake.
1: Yeah, this is no way to present ourselves to the world, especially because we we talk about uh, our freedoms and our democracy as such a, a core principle of our values and while we do have the freedom to have vastly different beliefs from each other that's perfectly fine we also need to be able to develop that that respect for each other through those differences in values which honestly, can be hard bridges to cross, you know. And, and I don't think uh, if if I were to be in a room with Congresswoman Boebert, we would find a lot to agree on, you know. But we can still try to grow that, that respectful communication that, that we're talking about. So we can be a better example.
0: Absolutely. It's called maturity. It's called professional ethics. It's called respect for ourselves and for others because you know this is 2022 many of us are well versed in psychology 101 and we know that when people are gaslighting at one another and striking out at one another so viciously that it says more about them than it does about the person they're accusing we know that they're not behaving this way in a vacuum and I dare say I don't really understand how, if they act this way at home uh, and with their families, how anybody would put up with it. There's got to be another way. There are ways to disagree, ways to vehemently disagree about issues, not about people, not Destroying someone's character because you disagree with them about an issue. This is, it's totally out of line. And I believe that through our collective affirmative prayer, we can help strengthen our democracy by holding our elected representatives to higher standards.
1: I think that would be great. So it's certainly a, a wonderful first step in trying to. To, uh, to restitch some of these, these big divides that we have right now.
0: Yes, focus on the ideas, be part of something, be part of something great, be inclusive, be bipartisan to the degree that we can. You can continue to disagree, but do so clearly about the ideas and refrain from referring to any human being's characteristics that is below the board, Um, And it certainly is not passing any bills that will help our economy or our human rights, is it?
1: No, it isn't.
0: So, get off your affirmation.
1: Yes, let's do it. Thank you so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please connect with us on our Facebook page and on our website at getoffyouraffirmation.com. We look forward to hearing from you.
0: Keep the faith. Do what you can and continue to affirm divine order and peace in our world. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.